0: danny we're back for another episode of the breakdowns and breakaways podcast and i was really hoping that the next time you and i got <laughs> together it would be good times and exciting conversation about how the penguins are really finding their stride but that hasn't been the case buddy yeah i, <laughs> it is I, not... I think we're gonna have
1: to to wait a little bit longer yeah. to start planning that cup parade
0: yeah they're uh Let's just dive in, man. I don't even know where to... (sighs) Two and four. Uh, There's really not a lot of positives to take away other than maybe Evgeny Malkin's play. Uh, Second line's been solid, but... What, like... There's so many issues. (laughs) I don't even know where to start, so here... What is the biggest issue in Danny Shirey's eyes of this Pittsburgh Penguins team? Because there's a lot of them, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue is the issue that they've been having dating back to last season. And that's getting sufficient scoring or, you know, adequate any play, scoring, adequate play, any sort of scoring from the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. Right. We've we've been talking about it for all off season into this season, you know we we saw last year that the the stars are going to take care of business, but at the same time, and we're we, I'll start to touch on this in a, here in a few minutes as well. Um, but Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and you can throw Latang and, and Eric Carlson into the mix as well, while they all are elite players in in some capacity, I don't know that any of those guys, including Carlson, as great as an offensive guy he is, I don't know that any of those guys are necessarily the cream of the crop at their position, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I again, I'm not saying Sid has fallen off a cliff here, but... You're you're gonna get more out of a McDavid, a Matthews, a McKinnon, a McKinnon at this stage, and and that's completely fine.
0: That's been the thing since the offseason. We knew it was honestly since since they signed Latang and and uh, Malkin to the contracts that they did. We everybody knew it was going to be an age thing.
1: Right. So with that being said, while yes, this team is obviously built to rely on the top of the lineup as you know, if if your top of the lineup guys aren't legitimately the cream of the crop, well you gotta have a little help for them somewhere else and they just aren't getting it right now, I I would really hesitate to say that this bottom six is even better than it was last season. I really, I don't think it is. I don't think it I, is either.
0: Like, it, it's, I think if anything, it might be a little worse.
1: Uh, I, it's it's so funny. Like we we all spent so much time complaining about Kasperi Kapanen or like Danton Heinen going twenty some games without a yeah. goal or whatever. Those two guys would be the two best players in the bottom yeah. six right now immediately. So it's it's tough. It, it's tough for me to sit here and say that. This team is destined to, I need to be careful about how I say this. Going forward, I don't know that there's a lot.
0: Okay, let me add yeah, some. Yeah, cut uh, me okay, off here while I yeah, formulate so this. There has there's got to be, for Kyle Dubas, a ripcord at some point. Right there, there has to be. uh, If this free fall continues, if they're two and eight, three and nine, something's got to happen to make a change. The problem with that is there's no money in the salary cap for the Pittsburgh Penguins to make a change personnel wise on the ice, Um, unless we're talking about trading a Ricard Raquel or a Brian Rust or or somebody you know that is uh, making four or five million or more a year. There's nothing that they could do to this roster, which leaves one person that they can change, and even that has its own complications, and that's Mike Sullivan. Is that the ripcord for Kyle Dubas, or is there something else?
1: I I think... If it gets to that point, like yes, pulling the cord on on Sullivan would be a last resort. But I I genuinely believe that that's going to be a last resort, like all options have been exhausted, kind of thing here. Um, but you know, I, it's it's so funny. I've seen I've already seen some fans that are like, oh yeah, just just go ahead, forget about this season. Like the the first round picks, lottery protected, and everything. And it's just like. They they just went out and and took on a 10 million dollar annual cap hit that's going to run for another 3 seasons yeah. after this one. They're not just going to go, "Oh, well, the the bottom 6 that we built isn't working right. out. We're going to punt and on, top on this of that, season." Danny,
0: even 2015 and 2016, the cup runs and everything like that. They had bad stretches of hockey. People forget that they fired Mike Johnston to bring in Mike Sullivan because the team was that bad at one point in time in those seasons. A two and four stretch because it's the beginning of the season. I think people were panicking. But if this was a two and four stretch in, say, February, would anyone care? I don't think that Not,
1: they- not necessarily. I, I definitely see what you're getting at. I think my problem, though, is that it's not like, oh, just a random... Well, it's not a random six-game stretch where they're losing. It's a it's a stretch where they're... Right now is a stretch where they're losing, and the issues are all things all that... All the al- same
0: from last it's year. It's all yeah. a
1: lot of the same stuff from last year. It's a lot of the same stuff that everybody was worried about going into right. this season. So... You know, and and again, there's a lot of people that want to say, "Oh, well, you got to give it time." And I agree with with how much turnover there was personnel-wise on the roster. Like, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that it's going to take them some time to gel and and really find their stride. On the other side of that, though. A lot of the personnel that was brought in right off rip, you could go, I don't really know about that, but I guess I could maybe see where we're going with this and give it a chance. Well, the early returns on it aren't great. So then the question becomes, how long can you really afford to wait?
0: And I guess my I guess my biggest concern, because we talked about this a few weeks ago as well, with the age of the team, we talked about how fast it was or how important a fast start was going to be. And they're not on a fast start right now. Now they can turn that around and you know they could rattle off four or five wins in a row and everyone's happy and everything's cool. But if they're five and five, six and six, like if it's not even worst case scenario that we just talked about, where okay, do you do you let go of Solly? Do you make those kind of changes? If it's just a middle of the road you know, team after 10, 15 games, I'm still concerned about that because we're already seeing certain things with this team where the age is creeping in. I think, you know, there's, they're not finishing end of games. They don't look as fast as maybe we all hoped that they would, uh, as a whole Sid has not been what we know Sid to be, uh, they are. We talked about it over text message. Jake Gensel, his scoring, his finishing touch is just not there right now. Um, If these are problems that are going to creep their head out throughout the season, my concern is if this is a middle-of-the-road team for three or four months, are they going to have the juice (laughs) in March and April uh, to to make a real run? Or is this just going to be a middle-of-the-road team the entire season?
1: Yeah, that, that's a very <clears throat> that's a very fair question to ask. And even last season, when I was still working on the Penguins beat, um, I want to say it was maybe mid March, while the Penguins were making that push down the stretch to try and secure a playoff spot. <clears throat> and obviously, they'd been facing some adversity basically the basically the whole season, but especially that that latter stretch there. They were just really fighting things. And after a a practice in Cranberry one day, I was I was in on one of uh, on Crosby's media scrum and I had a question for him and I was like, is there like any sort of concern or um, like anything in the back of your mind here where you have to do a bit of a balancing act? to not wear your like obviously you wanna give it all your all to get into the postseason and leave it all out there, but is also is there also some sort of balancing act there where you're trying to preserve a little bit for when you if you get to the postseason mm-hmm. and it was funny. He kinda had like a big smile and he and he laughed about it a little bit. I don't know if that was because what he was about to say was a lie, but he was like, No, I mean you gotta you gotta leave it all out there and and you gotta try and do right what take care of what's right in front of you and not really worry about what's coming at coming after that whether that's what he actually believes or not is a different story um but you know these guys like you can go and and find so many guys who were really really good players for a lot of years and then you go look at their like hockey DB page and it's like oh this guy hasn't been in the league for a while let me go see the the last season he played and it was like three years ago and he's just now turning 36 years old kind of thing it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that what these guys have done meaning Crosby Malkin and Latang, mm-hmm. what these guys have done is so abnormal and the fact that they're still even close to the levels they're at right now this late into their career is, is just remarkable. So I think a lot of people just because they have been so consistent throughout their careers and um, they've really bucked that age curve that a lot of people have lost sight of the fact that, you know,
0: 36, 37 year old
1: hockey players are, you know, they, they don't have that same step that they used to
0: have. It's a little comical to me too, because I remember last year, last off season, when they did sign uh, Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin to those deals. And I heard a lot of people say, well, I would rather them sign these two and keep them for the rest of their careers and have them retire as Penguins and we have to go through some hard times than let these guys walk and go somewhere else and, and be in different uniforms. Well, when you roll the dice on that, This is the potential, you know, yeah, you could have the potential that they're going to find it and they're going to be point per game players. And, you know, Chris Latane is going to be a power power play specialist again. But then you can also have this, too. Like this is with that age thing. It's a gamble. It's not a given. And I think we are so used to givens with Sidney Crosby and givens with Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. And now even Eric Carlson, I think people just expect, okay, he was a hundred point player last year. He's going to at least put 70 up with the penguins with the guys he's playing with. Well, he's younger than the other three, but he's got injury problems that the other three don't. So there's just a lot here that I think you could have looked at things through rose colored glasses at the, in the off season, especially after the Eric Carlson trade and thought, yeah, this is a playoff team. I, I'll be the first to admit I did. I I didn't even think they were a playoff team. I thought they were a cup contender. I thought they were legitimately going to fight for the division. And if I can cut you off real quick
1: here too, a big part of that was not only adding Carlson, but it was also shedding a lot of dead weight. Yeah. It was, it, it was more so like, yeah, they're bringing in this impact guy, but they're also getting rid of a lot of the problematic players and or contracts that hurt them
0: last season. But Right now, six games into the season, we're seeing that there's new dead weight and, the age is starting to be more of a factor, I think. And again, this is six games. This could change by game fifteen. I mean, like, there are so many things that can happen in this ho- in this very young hockey season. But as it stands right now, there are a lot of concerning things. Uh, there's another question that I want to ask you, based off of what we talked about with Sullivan, and you know that being the change that they make. Could there be a potential that they decide to move on from a Brian Rust or Ricard Raquel? And if that's the way that they decide to go, what problems does that bring in if they decide, okay, we're going to trade Brian Rust. We're going get, to get rid of that cap space. We're going to try to bolster the third line with, with a trade like that. What happens from there?
1: Yeah, the the first thing I'll say about that is it's going to be a challenge no matter what if if they truly decide that they want to move a, a Roster or a Raquel because right now of the 12 forwards on the NHL roster, 8 of them, 8 of them have some sort of trade protection. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking about Nolachari has an eight team, no trade list. I like, I don't know what kind of, it, it's so insane to me that the NHL is a league where fourth line grinders are getting trade protection. Like that, that's craziness to me anyway. Um, so they're, they're already at a disadvantage there, um, if they do decide that they want to move a Ruster or Raquel because they're going to be limited in some capacity as to where that where um, they can move either of those players or um, th- that's the other thing. Like, I really don't know outside of a Ruster or Raquel who else you would even move. It's not going to be Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, probably not Riley Smith because they just brought him in and he's been playing really well.
0: What about one of the defensemen?
1: Well, it's not going to be.
0: Leta- not gonna, it's not going to be Letang or Carlson. It's not going
1: to be Letang or Carlson. They just signed Graves to a six-year deal, although I would... Petterson? No, I mean, Petterson's probably their... I would say he's their best defensive defenseman, so, and I think he's better than Graves overall. So so so. That,
0: but I guess that would be, like, if you're looking for trade bait,
1: well, look, I get it, but that that goes into the <laughs> the issues that you start to have. Right, it, it I I, causes, wouldn't, I yeah. wouldn't be looking at moving any of the defensemen okay. un, unless it's Graves. But then again, I I still don't, I don't know. know how
0: you move that contract.
1: I, yeah, which is kind of concerning. I mean, I, I guess you could maybe get a team out there to to take it on, but I I don't know that there's a lot of teams that would take on six years of Graves based off what he's shown with the Penguins right. so far. Uh, not not to even say he's been horrible. I just think so many people had this grand idea that he was some excellent shutdown guy. And he's just really not. not. Um, Anyway, if one of roster Raquel are to go and they're able to find a team that's not on either of their no trade lists, I think you're going to be looking at a situation where one of those guys is going out for probably a third line center and then another middle six winger, maybe, maybe, now, obviously, Rust or Raquel alone isn't going to net you those you're gonna pieces. To, yeah. You're going to have to throw in, uh, and this is just complete speculation here in spitball and spitballing, but like an Owen Pickering to sweeten the deal. And and the reason I bring up, uh, you know, a relatively decent prospect like Pickering in that conversation is, you don't want to be moving a, a Rust or a Raquel if you're just getting you know more of the same for your bottom six like you want to if if they're going to do something like that they need to be getting quantifiable assets that so you know okay this guy is going to be right. a legit
0: impact in this bottom six and not just a well i hope he works out yeah so uh, the whole the whole point of the exercise of asking that question is basically to to prove or to you know make it understood there's not an easy fix to get this team going on the outside what they have in house is probably going to be their best bet at fixing things. Uh, And that leads me to which at what point in time do one of these other young guys or one of these, like the fringe guys that we had talked about the Nylander Hyde and Stroza guy, like when did they get an opportunity to really get a fair shake at the lineup? Because I don't know that they could do any worse than what's there right now. Even on the, like, if you just throw them on the fourth line. It can't be worse than what we've seen.
1: Yeah, I, I've i been thinking a lot about that over the past couple of days. Um, I I do think it's it's quite the in, indictment on some of those guys, like the Henestrosas and the yeah. that they're in the situation they are right now. And, you know, they went out and claimed Jansen Harkins off waivers and immediately threw him on the third line and he stunk. Yeah. Uh, th- I think that really showed the um the state of a lot of those depth and, and fringe guys that we've talked about but at the at the same time i don't know how if if things persist here for even if it's just several more games i don't know how you don't start to rotate some of those guys in and at least just give some happens. of this give some of them some looks it's like i i know i i said it all off season that jeff carter was going to be in the lineup but like what are we doing here he Maybe a a good play a game. Atari is a fine fourth line, like gritty kind of guy, but he's not, I don't like him at center at all. Mm-hmm. I think it completely he, neuters uh, I'm with you. Yeah. his skill set to do what he does best. And Matt Nieto, I know he's only, I think his cap hits $900,000 this year. So he's he's definitely you came don't. in as more of an expendable guy, but it seems like he's, more of a lock in this lineup right now when he he's shouldn't be. when he's someone that i've almost got him on a level that like carter's at right now it's just like what are you
0: doing out there every day i almost wonder and again i don't know if this is one of those you know uh, what what's the old phrase cutting your nose off to spite your face yeah i don't know if this is one of those ideas or if there are if this is something that they should look into but i almost wonder if rather than trading a rust or a raquel you move one of them to the third line, and you put O'Connor up on the on the first or second line, and see how that works. Because at this point in time, again, like you're, there are two and four hockey team. I, if if this continues, I don't think that any idea is a bad idea. And if the i if the idea is take a guy like Raquel or Rust that can drive some play and and bring some scoring pop. Move them down to the third line and hope that Drew O'Connor can find the magic that he found in a couple games in preseason with Sid. I'm cool with trying it. Uh, like I can't. I can't sit here and watch the team just stay, you know, stand pat and assume that things are going to fix themselves. Especially if this goes on for another week or two, something has got to change. It's just they're so handcuffed. There's not a lot that can change.
1: And I, I think the other part of it that makes it really frustrating too is that because they are still playing, you know, good half games or really strong right. periods or whatever, it's probably making them even more hesitant to make a to change. switch up the line combos. And and Sullivan was asked about this last week. Um, you know, they were they were like what what went into the decision to, to not change up your lines. And he's like, look, well, if every time something goes wrong, we're throwing the lines in a blender. We're not really giving these
0: guys an opportunity to play through their struggles and really figure it out. But Solly's never had that mentality before. I, I mean, I remember years where like every other week there was a new lineup, you know, there was a, a new combination and it, some of that was due to injury, but Sullivan's never struck me as the most patient coach.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with the current mentality. I think the problem is, is that this is now becoming a trend of stubbornness, whether it's, you know, keeping a Carter in the lineup or continuing to put Gensel Crosby rust out there when they... Have no not, interest yeah. in playing defensive or responsible hockey. And, and going back to your point about spreading the wealth a little bit, the issue, I, I don't disagree with at least looking into that either. The problem I have is that, you know, it's going to be Raquel that goes down there, but I don't necessarily.
0: I don't think it should be Raquel. I think it should be Rust.
1: Right. I I don't necessarily view Raquel as the kind of guy that's gonna hop down. Like he he's a con, he's got a lot of good he's got skill. Um, he does a lot of good things down low and in, in puck protection and along the boards. I just don't see him driving his own line in the way I think a lot of people think he might be able to. Rust, on the other hand, is a little bit more effective in transition. And I think that he could do some of that driving on his own. But as we've seen through the first part of this season, like Rust is going to be up with Crosby. Yeah. Uh, they, they've they already put him back up on the top power play. Now, granted, Raquel has not been good to no. start this season at all, which
0: is really disappointing because in the preseason, it looked like he had yeah. finally... It's a little concerning, honestly. You know, I wouldn't even use disappointing. I, I would say you know six games in, not seeing anything really to hang your hat on with Raquel is concerning now. It's starting to become... A problem. Yeah, I, I
1: I love Raquel Raquel's game about as much as anybody. Um, it I will say that even through the first handful of games, when his line with. Smith and and Malkin was playing really well. He wasn't overly involved in that success. Like I I wrote a pretty long analysis about the success of that line. And um, as I'm writing it and and going through and breaking down video clips and I'm like, yeah, I'm just doing a lot of talking about Malkin and Smith right now. Now, Granted, there were certain instances where Raquel did a lot of the, you know, the unheralded stuff that doesn't really show up on a stat sheet or you don't really notice unless you're intently looking for it when you're watching the film. Um, But he's just been very, very quiet and I, you know, not to completely absolve his, his own performance, but I've been saying it since they, they acquired him that I don't love the chemistry he has with Malkin, whereas I really, really love the chemistry he has with Crosby. And it's, you know, I, the, the common thing right now is, oh, well, Rust is, is filling the back of the net while he's on Crosby's line. Why would you want to break that up? we have years and years of data to show us that Russ does just as well with Malkin. And in fact, if <laughs> you're looking at <laughs> maybe even a little bit better. So it's, they're very, very limited in what they can do right now outside of a major change, like trading a Ruster or a Raquel or firing Sullivan. And what I see is just kind of piling on is that stubbornness because, you know they're they're playing that good yeah. half a game and and how how many times and part of it's just because Sullivan's been here for so long and we've had a lot of the same players on this team for so long, but how many times can you can you do the exact same thing and uh, I I don't know Let's you let's ready transition for, Are you this. ready
0: for a really serious idea for what the Penguins can do Let's hear it, Phil Kessel. <laughs>
1: You know, it's it's funny you it's funny you say that. For the past two years, while people have been clamoring for the Pens to bring him back, I'm like, no, no, no. And I saw a tweet from Pro Hockey Rumors probably within the last week. That it was just like a Phil Kessel update. And for the first time in years, I, I didn't, I'm not saying I'm on board with the idea, but for the first time in years, I at least contemplated the idea of bringing Kessel back. Well, and I think that just speaks to how bad that's one, things are.
0: That, see, that's just one piece of my very serious idea. Um, Oh, yeah. well, there's, yeah. there's, I, levels there's, there's levels to this. There's levels to this. Do you remember how during the back-to-back cup runs, it was the HBK line? Uh-huh. Kessel needs a line that kind of stands out. He can't just be Kessel. He has to be on a line. Okay. And we've already got Lars Eller. I think you put Phil Kessel and Lars Eller with the with Matt Nieto and you have the Knuff line. <laughs> <laughs> They're Knuff. <laughs> um I'm just gonna pretend you didn't say that and we'll move on to it's our the next line man I mean I it's no you're not buying it look if, if if they're gonna be bringing in Phil
1: Kessel and signing him to a contract that needs to happen after Lars Eller is no longer the third line center <laughs> and after Matt Nieto has been waived in favor of somebody else so you don't like my idea I I don't love it either. I'm sorry. No,
0: I'm gonna be Phil Kessel for Halloween one day.
1: I'm surprised you haven't been already. It it
0: almost happened a couple of times. Like uh, it was a couple years ago when he was still a penguin. I guess it's more than a couple years ago now. But I I had the Phil Kessel jersey, and I had even like I taped my hockey stick uh, candy cane, and was gonna just like throw all my hockey gear on. But the party we were supposed to go to got canceled, and then I just never, I never did anything with it. I'd say this year's the year then. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, there's a side by side. I'm sure you've seen, and if I find it, I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen. But there's a side by side of Phil Kessel and I, like same hat, and it's it's actually kind of it's kind of weird. You know, it'd be really funny is if you got
1: like uh, this would be way more effort than it would probably be worth. But you remember that picture? Of Kessel when he was still with the penguins and he was in that like I don't even know what to call it, that like therapy tub where he's like the standing cryo, standing th- yeah you should make some <laughs> costume where you've got like suspenders dangling some like cardboard that makes it look like that that little tub.
0: I have a very creative wife and a very like artistic wife. Maybe she can uh maybe she can help me out with that. Yeah, and she loves go. Halloween too, so that's like that's I've got dragged in. Let's get off the Penguins for a second. Like let's just like everything's been gloom and doom about the Penguins. We are a week away from Halloween. Well, well the funny
1: thing was we we missed last week's episode, and if yeah. we would have recorded last week's episode, we would have had some. We would have had, some good, had, had about, right? some good stuff to talk about. <laughs> um,
0: but <laughs> there was one year we did a uh, we did the costume. Uh, you know, uh, Chucky, you know, the movie. Of course. Yeah. You know, uh, the Bride of Chucky, Tiffany. Yeah. So Marissa dressed up as Tiffany, and I dressed up as Chucky. The catch was I dressed up as Chucky Finster, <laughs> and the, we get to this party and everyone looks at us and and it's just like, what the hell are these two people doing? And then it clicks for them. Oh my god, it's Chucky and Tiffany, and like the the look on their faces was just it was gold. Like it was it was like the highlight of my. So did you guys win like best costume? I didn't even player? have anything like that at this costume party. It was. Just a lot of adult beverages and other adult consumables. <laughs> consumables.
1: You know, I was at uh, a Halloween party uh, a weekend or two ago. And if, if you're going to have a contest, like a costume contest or something, do not make people vote on 10 different categories. Do you know no. how annoying oh, it is? being at a party and every five seconds people run around did you cast your votes did you cast your votes did you cast your votes it's like have one or two tops best costume least effort everybody's got their little post-it note you put it in your bin and then you call it a night i don't want to be getting into all this other <laughs> also bull crap.
0: don't think you're going to gloss over the fact that you were at a costume party and we're not going to talk about your costume either was it uh Banani was it Badan- <laughs> Danny or Banana Danny <laughs> Danny Banani is Danny what,
1: Banani. Danny <laughs> Banani is what uh, what Maddie has been calling me incessantly <laughs> since it, it was a worst choice so I that that was um uh, a party back in Columbus and I didn't have a costume with me so I I just go to Party City looking to spend like 20 40 bucks on something that'll be easy that's not going to be high maintenance to wear all night and the option sucked all of them sucked except, I mean, the banana sucked too, but it was $20 and super easy to slip on. So I got it. I wish I hadn't though, because now all I'm hearing is Danny Banani and you keep bringing it up and want me to wear it on a <laughs> word on, the show, wear <laughs> hey, it on listen, the show. Next
0: week could technically be the Halloween episode, even though it's going to come out the day after Halloween, but. So next week we'll we'll, do, we dress we'll, up do, we'll do our
1: we'll do our costume party breakdowns or breakaways episode.
0: I don't think anyone would take it. I mean, I don't know if anyone actually takes us serious now. But yeah, just, honestly, I'm not even just, sure. Just Nose dive.
1: I'm not even sure if anyone's still listening to us right now. So we should probably just go ahead and call it a day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, there's. We know the Penguins aren't doing well. It's been a tough start to the season for the most part. And honestly, like it's. It's
1: tiring to be this n- negative and critical. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you're such a negative Nancy and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm just calling it like I see it. Like when I see them do good things, I, I say it. When I see players making good plays or if, having good stretches of play, I, I if, give them credit for it.
0: If by the end of the year, calendar year, they're still in this situation, I say we pivot and become a Colorado Avalanche <laughs> podcast <laughs> or a... <laughs>
1: I say we wait because I'm sure there's going to be some dark horse team that pops there up out of go. nowhere. That's going to be a ton of fun to watch the Arizona
0: coyotes. Yep. Lo- hey Logan, Cooley. Logan
1: Cooley is a, actually a blast to watch. And by Dude. the way, how pathetic is it that the coyotes power play looks in infinite. And I think the penguins power play has been quite a bit better than many, many people think it's been. I know they're not scoring right now. Um, it's sad. That Logan Cooley and the Coyotes power play looks infinitely more threatening. You, you know than what's going to happen, does. right?
0: The, the Coyotes are going to go to the playoffs this year, and they're going to have 3,500 people in attendance at a playoff game. That You know, that, that arena is
1: actually like terrible experience for a reporter <laughs> trying to cover a game there because
0: you're literally just sitting. Oh, that's among- right. You were there last year. Yeah, yeah that's
1: right. Um, very cool experience not saying it's a good thing that an nhl team is in that situation but i i definitely think it was a a cool experience and i am fairly confident that if they did squeak their way into the playoffs that that place would be absolutely
0: rocking well here, here's how we'll end the show in the comments all right so for those of you listening or watching in the comments on the show whether it's youtube or on subs Danny substack if the penguins continue on their current path what hockey-related conversations would you like to hear from Danny and I? Do you just want more in-depth NHL analysis? Do you want to hear maybe some some stories from the road when Danny was covering the Pens? Because I can't do every week just being miserable. <laughs> yeah, and I don't well, think well, that's what people want. Yeah, either. that
1: that's the great thing I think about what we have going here is it. You know, if, if we get sick of coming here and, and talking about the same things every week, we can take this whatever yeah. whatever and, lane
0: we want. And we do hope to have some guests come in or, you know, we we that's some other things that we have going on. So it's not going to be all, you know, miserable penguins conversation. Right. Hopefully the penguins get better and they figure things out yeah. and then it's fun penguins talk. But drop a comment. What, what else would you like to hear from us? We can break this up into segments too and kind of, you know, change some things up as we go. We're experimenting. We're only, as I knocked, knock into the microphone we're only what this is episode seven so we're we're still fresh and we're still coming up with ideas so uh we want to make it fun we want people to enjoy listening to it as at least as much as they can when it's me and you on camera so <laughs> uh, but that's it for this week make sure you like and subscribe uh go follow danny's Substack. um check us out on youtube spotify itunes whatever your flavor of podcast listening is. Uh but for Danny Shire and Eddie Provident, this has been the Breakdowns and Breakaways podcast. We'll see you next week.